What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast. The other podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is proudly part of the Chair Shop Media Group. I am Mags, and uh, unfortunately, Paul has, uh, has got some issues to, to deal with in real life, so I'm flying solo today, uh, but I get the, the opportunity to speak to one of my favourite guests of, uh, of the last year or so, and I'm so glad that I'm, I'm able to, to get him back on Badlands, uh, actually for the first time discussing Mount Rushmore, because the last time he was on, we, we did a draft. Uh, it's the, the one and only wrestling from with Jonas Star. Jonas, Jonas, how are you? Wow, Mags. Yes, I'm very, very well. It's uh, brilliant to be back on Badlands for the second time. I feel very honoured to be asked to come back um, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, my first trip out with, with yourself and Paul going, uh, you know, we were talking about this whole fair, weren't we, Mags? We couldn't figure out exactly how long ago it was. And we checked back through our DMs and it was actually February. So nearly you know, 10 months ago, getting off close to a year since we last did uh, an episode together or since I was last on the Badlands. But uh, fantastic to be uh, back on and uh, can't wait to talk about the, the topic, which I'm sure you will unveil very soon. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a, an absolute honour to, to have you back on. And you've really kind of uh, spread your... Uh, content wings since uh, you were since you were last on the show, um, and you've you've kind of uh, moved on and up. You've got uh, obviously the the main show wrestling with Jonas, uh, which is doing absolutely brilliant stuff. But you've also got uh, Turbuckle Arms and a and a, a deal with a uh, Powered Four TV. So yeah, let us know a little bit about how how wow. they came about and uh, and what the, what the story is behind them. Well, it, it's been a busy, busy time. And, uh, I mean, thanks for mentioning all of that. With Regarding uh, Wrestling with Jonas, we've just hit our two-year anniversary. So we've just had a, a kind of uh, eight back-to-back episodes, uh, which I'm just recovering from even now. <laughs> um, and uh, going to take a few weeks off to recover from them eight episodes uh, to mark our two-year anniversary uh, back in uh, in November. But you're quite right, and um, I want to kind of uh, ultimately start a little bit of a a stable of podcasts under the Wrestling With Jonas banner. Uh, So the first step towards that was uh, I I got some of my favourite guests from over the two years of Wrestling With Jonas together in a collective group. They call themselves The Brood uh, because uh, their their podcast is called The Turbuck Alarm. So it's like a a bit of an offshoot to the Wrestling With Jonas, all based around six friends, uh, pub banter as if you know talking about wrestling with uh, a bunch of great mates around a pub table and of course ironically since i come up with that concept uh we've we've had that we've had the coronavirus pandemic uh, a lot of the bars and pubs have closed and in fact they, they probably are closed up and down the country as we speak um so they've had to do it all virtually um but uh yes i mean the concept is is the type of uh, wrestling chatter and banter you would have around a pub table and that's kind of what they carry into each episode uh they're doing some great things they've recently celebrated 30 years of chris jericho which i know he's uh, very close to your heart you're a big uh le champion demo god uh fan mags i know that but um they've released about six main episodes they they tend to release on a monthly basis and then they do kind of in between bonus episodes called a swift half and i think they're even thinking of doing shorter episodes they're calling shots so that's still to come so so lots lots of really cool things all all, all pub uh, and uh, bar themed um, and uh, topics that you would normally talk to your friends about around a pub table. So that's pretty cool. And yes, I mean, you, you mentioned Powered 4 TV. 
um, and it's uh, the the predecessor to what used to be known uh, as uh, uh, Turnbuckle TV. And I was doing interviews for Turnbuckle TV for quite a long time, and then they eventually brought me in um, as part of their media team. So I'm working alongside uh, another guy called John Scott. Um, who would have thought it? Two John Scotts uh, hosting the same podcast, um, but uh, myself and, and the other John Scott, we we tend to uh, cover um, a lot of. Um, uh, NXT UK, we do NXT UK weekly um, and uh, we do interviews with wrestling promoters um, that have recently come on board Powered4.tv from around uh, from around America and around the world. Uh, so I've recently interviewed John Bullard, uh, the owner and the promoter of Chicago Land Championship Wrestling, uh, Kim Artlett, she's the founder and the owner of Ignite Wrestling over in Florida and uh, yeah, we're doing lots of fun things on uh, Powered4TV but it's really building itself up as a, as a big streaming platform it's got over 20 promotions from all over the world and lots of exclusive interviews documentaries podcasts so uh yeah powerful.tv is where it's happening um so yes yeah, since we last spoke um i have kind of got involved in in lots of other things um and looking to grow the rest of Madonna's family yeah and uh it, it's it's i mean we, we spoke about it on the the first time that we, you were on here and how kind of cool it is that you're you're really kind of leading this charge for for british content creators and how much of an inspiration you are and the, it, it it's never been truer than now the the fact that you're you're really making these moves and you're trailblazing for for us uh british independent uh content creators so yeah uh, i've got a lot of a lot of respect for you for that uh Jonas. Well, thank you, Mags. Uh, I, I appreciate the kind words. I really, really do. It means a lot. Um, and uh, I mean, as you probably know, being a, an experienced podcaster you now, uh, I think you were the creator of four podcasts, if I'm not mistaken, Mags. Is that correct? <laughs> I only actually now create two. I'm involved ah, right. with many, many more. But yeah, I only <laughs> fair enough, fair two. enough. But, but it is hard work being a content creator. It's very, very hard work, um, you know, coming up with the concepts and planning the episodes, executing the episodes, which are always good fun, of course, and then editing and publishing and all the promotion you have to do. So uh, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes for one single episode of a podcast or video cast. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, to get some praise from somebody uh, such as yourself who, who knows the, the, the podcast industry inside and out mean, means a lot because it is hard work um, and uh, let's say hence why I'm taking a I'm taking December off Mags just to recover from a, a very very busy November as I explained earlier with it being our two year anniversary but coming back uh, you know all guns blazing in January with lots of new content for both uh, Powered 4 TV and Wrestling with Johnners and the Turnbuckle Arms um, uh, so uh, yes January is going to be a really really great uh exciting month to kickstart which should hopefully be another great year yeah hopefully so and yeah i'll i'll, I'll definitely be uh waiting with beta breath for, for that um but you've been on on this show before jonas so we know your uh mount rushmore the greatest wrestler of all time uh, yes. um so what we like to do with returning guests is uh throw them a little bit of a, a curveball and uh, with for the opening topic um but with with this year being as uh, as ravaged as it has been with the pandemic and the world burning and and uh, the the lands drawn in terms of the wrestling community and stuff like yeah. that, I thought we would look back at twenty twenty and 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 pick out four four matches that we feel were probably the best matches of the year. I mean, as bad as the year has been in terms of. Uh, in, in, in terms of the world destroying itself, there's actually been some pretty good wrestling. Uh, uh, the wrestlers have been able to to kind of really um, shine uh, in in this uh, no crowd pandemic era and, and really been able to use their creative juices. So, uh, who are who would you put on your Mount Rushmore of the of the the best matches of, of uh, 2020 and a little bit of a reasoning why each one makes makes the cup. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. I think with the situation that we've had this year, um, and, and you know, there, there still has been one or two promotions, namely the big promotions that have continued uh, without fans, but, um, you know, relatively um, unscathed, uh, i.e. AEW, WWE, and uh, one or two Japanese promotions. You know, it has ravaged the whole wrestling industry, but it has also put certain promotions in a, in a situation where they have had to be experimental, innovative they have had to think out the box um and i think that in some instances that has led to kind of um you know better performances because they've had to kind of push themselves a little bit more 
to create good content without fans being present, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the four matches that I've picked out as my best or favourite matches of the year, and just looking down the list, all of them are within kind of the, 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 the COVID era, shall I say, without any fans. Uh, but the first one I'm going with is, is uh, Walter versus Ilya Dragunov from uh, NXT UK for the NXT United Kingdom Championship. I think mm-hmm. it was probably only about a month and a half ago. Yeah. And there was this fantastic build between the two. Um, and they really built Ilya Dragunov up as this big star, big contender. Um, and um, I think that the, the week preceding the big championship match, they had a, a big tag tag match um, also involving uh, Alexander Wolf and Pete Dunne. And Ilya Dragunov got the, got the big pin over Walter. And it's the first time Walter had ever been pinned since joining NXT UK, um, probably two years prior. Um, which really kind of got thinking, well, you know, is, is a title change going to happen? But the big match happened. I think it went around about 30 minutes. It was about a 30 minute match, but it was, it was, it was stiff. It was hard hitting. It was wincing in some places with, with the big chops and the big strikes and the ginormous kicks and drop kicks and Ilya Dragunov continually trying to fight from underneath. And it was a battle. It was a war. I loved every minute of it. It just felt like a, a fight. It felt real. It felt legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if you saw the match that I'm referring to, yeah, but uh, it's on my, that, it's that, on my champi- list. that championship match, um, I think even Meltzer gave it five stars. Not that that means much to many people, but if it impressed the wrestling journalists, um, which it did, then you know that it's it's kind of a, a, a match. But it's one of them kind of water cooler moments where you know you know the following day everybody is talking about that match. And um, yeah, I mean, not only was it one of my favorite matches of this year, probably it's got to be inside my top maybe 20 matches of all time, if I'm honest, to be honest with you, but a cracking I'm match, impressed. cracking match. And, and, and not only that, it's a match that I can go back and watch time and time again. I spot something different every time I see it, um, but it doesn't disappoint. And I can see it, you know, a dozen times back to back and I would not be disappointed. It's one of the matches that, you, you know, that's got um, longevity to it. Most definitely. My, my second match um, is, Cody versus Eddie Kingston from an episode of AEW Dynamite. And it was for the TNT Championship 22nd of July this year. And the reason why I chose this match, and and one thing that that AEW are very, very good at, and especially when Cody was the, the TNT champion, was that he would wrestle independent workers, independent talents every Wednesday for the TNT Championship um, you know, much like you could say that the John Cena US Championship Open Challenge, this was Cody's version, but he would invite independent workers um, not contracted to AEW to have a crack at the TNT Championship. And it was very, very refreshing, a very refreshing approach. And that's kind of something that AEW are excellent at, you know, throughout, to be honest with you. But Eddie Kingston came in um I don't know whether it was announced before, and it probably was announced beforehand. We knew that he was going to be facing Cody, but um, uh, he's kind of one of these internet, uh, sorry, one of these independent wrestling darlings that you never expected to see on a major promotion. So it was, it was a bit of shock value to see him there uh, on the stage of AEW Dynamite this Wednesday uh, in July. But he cut this fabulous, very, very kind of... Um, real promo on the stage before the match and um for somebody not even contracted with the company to be given the opportunity to be given he must have had a good five minutes to cut this amazing promo on cody on the Rhodes family on the wrestling industry and how he had to sell his boots to be able to pay his mortgage or whatever it was um and uh, you know finding himself there and then the match itself was was hard hitting it was real it felt like a scrap um the, the selling from both individuals especially eddie kingston was phenomenal um and uh yeah i mean it, it was just a great match i think they involved acts which got utilized not something you'd typically see on an episode of AEW dynamite certainly not for the tnt championship but that added an extra element an extra edge to it um and uh eddie lost the match but it was a, an excellent match and so much so um that that 
off the strength of that match, he got signed to AEW and then uh, was off to the races, um, you know, got to, uh, paired up with, uh, with, with um, uh, 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 the Lucha, the Lucha Brothers, Brothers, sorry, the Lucha Brothers, um, and uh, and uh, you know went on to have two fabulous matches against John Moxley for the AEW World Title, um, most recently at uh, Full Gear, which was their last pay per view, of course, um, in that tremendous I Quit match. Um, so, but but it, with this excellent match between him and Cody on the twenty second of July, and I thoroughly loved it. So I don't know if that was in your top four or, but uh, um, certainly up there for me. It, it, that one didn't make it. The Ilya Dragunov one did. Uh, uh, just before you continue, I'll, I'll run, quickly run through mine. Uh, so uh, knowing that how much I kind of favour uh, tag team wrestling, uh, I went with uh, FTR versus the Young Bucks. Um, this was a dream match that we have wanted since the the interactions between the teams on on wrestling social media. Um, and we never thought that we'd ever get it. And when we did, we were teased and teased uh, for, for such a long time by AEW. And it always felt that this would either live up to the harp or it would absolutely just shit the bed. And yep. thankfully, it lived up to the harp. We got the callbacks to the, uh, the tag teams of old and the inspirations. I felt that this was absolutely a stunning match and and really was the dream match that we'd all been waiting for so i went with that one uh i then also had another young bucks one um the the match against uh adam page and kenny omega from yeah, revolution. revolution back in february yeah yeah now watching it uh originally um there was a lot of uh of praise and heart for this and i didn't quite get it i didn't quite get why it had been touted as from from the likes of dave Meltzer as the best wrestling match that he'd he'd ever seen uh but on on like subsequent rewatches you can see how crisp uh how effortless and and how damn near perfect of a wrestling match it was it was so well paced the 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 story that was told in the ring was 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 absolutely beautiful and and it was a a, a really good way to to kind of further the 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 storylines that was going on between page and and kenny and, and the young bucks so yeah that that made my second pick then i went with one that you've gone with and it's arguably the the best WWE produced uh, match in in the last year or so with Ilya Dragunov and and Volta. For me, the shocking thing about it was it's just so far removed from a WWE match. Yeah. You, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have thought it was under the WWE umbrella at all, having mm -hmm. seen that match. It was so brutal. It felt more like a, a WXW or a Progress style match. Or even a, a Noah, a pro wrestling Noah style yeah. match. It was just so so good. Again, great storytelling, and it was one of those matches that we were getting hyped for before COVID happened, and then the world ended, mm. and I had the I had a, a horrible feeling that Ilya Dragunov was going to kind of get get screwed out of this storyline because a lot of companies could have easily just pressed the reset button yeah. and started again, but luckily they didn't, and they kept up with the storyline, and and I think. Nobody came out of this match looking looking bad. I thought that both both guys were elevated from this. And then the last picker, and it's it's a it's a little bit out there, but um, I've gone with Minoru Suzuki versus Yuji Nagata from the New Japan Cup. I have never seen two fifty plus wrestlers beat the living piss out of each other like this before. Uh, an absolute slap fest, an absolute chop fest. <laughs> they destroyed each other. Um, I remember uh, reading the statistic by a uh, friend of the show, uh, Craig from Pro Wrestling Musings, and he said that the amount of strikes from Yuji Nagata alone in that one match was more than the amount of strikes that uh, that. Kenny Omega had done in all this time in AEW, wow. which is which is absolutely phenomenal. It just shows the pace that they went to. 20 minutes and they did not let up. Uh, yeah, it was just a phenomenal match to watch. So, yeah, they, they would be my best matches of 2020. Yeah, do you want my third and fourth pick very briefly, uh, Max? Yeah. 
Okay, so um, I mentioned earlier how you know the, the wrestling industry have had to kind of think on their feet and be innovative, and this was definitely the year of uh, the, the cinematic match, mm-hmm. the cinematic universe. My third and fourth pick are both cinema uh, cinematic matches. Um, number three has got to be the Stadium Stampede match. I was so close to picking this. I was so close to picking it. The Elite versus the Inner Circle. I loved every damn second of Mm -hmm. that match, from from the comedy to the risky spots to uh, the the Northern Light suplexes from, was it Matt Jackson, the whole length Mm -hmm. of the pitch? Yeah. Poor Sammy Guevara uh, to to the huge bumps, to the, the, like I say, the the comedy spots. And um, it, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Another one of their matches you could go back and watch pick something out new every single time uh but the stadium stampede match love it all day long and then um of course you can't talk about 2020 in cinematic matches without uh the, the boneyard match from wrestlemania 36 and um it, it was the perfect last match for the undertaker um the perfect opponent in aj styles um and uh it, the way it was kind of shot and put together um and it, it just told a wonderful story um to to cap off an amazing 30 year 30 year plus career for for mark calloway for the undertaker um and um easily the best match from either night of WrestleMania uh, yeah, back in absolutely. April. And um, yes, so when you talk about cinematic matches, that one will kind of be up there all day long. And uh, yeah, so that's my top four. So Walter Italy, Dragon Off, the Boneyard match, Stadium Stampede and Cody versus Eddie Kingston. I think they're four pretty good matches to look back on uh, 2020. Yep, yeah, absolutely great picks. And, and the two um, cinematic matches were very close to being on my list. The, the Stadium Stampede was so, so funny. I mean, the, things like the 100-yard clothesline by Adam Page, it just, <laughs> yeah, it was just so, so well done. And, and, it, and again, it kind of shows the creative uh, minds of these wrestlers. When you give them a little bit of freedom, what they can actually come up with. And, yeah, the, the Boneyard match, that really was was the beginning of, of cinematic matches for, for uh, 2020. And, and whilst it, it's probably been superseded by the um, the Stadium Stampede match, it certainly set a, a very high benchmark and was a perfect way to to end the, the in-ring career of, of The Undertaker. So, yeah, I, can't, I cannot fault those picks. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Good. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I I enjoyed uh, compiling, because I was thinking, oh, Craig, when you think of 2020, you kind of think more on the negative side and thinking, oh, well, was there really that many good matches to pick from? But when you think about it, you know, when, when you look especially at what AEW has been able to produce this year and WWE under the circumstances, um, you know, when, when, when the pressure's on, they can still deliver. Uh, yeah, I think that those four matches stand out um, for, for all the right reasons. Um, but to two very similar matches in terms of mm-hmm. uh, Cody, Eddie Kingston and Dragonall versus Ily, uh, versus Walter being hard hitting, very real, very physical matches. And then two cinematic matches, uh, both very similar in, in the same universe uh, and both entertaining for uh, slightly different reasons. But uh, yeah, four good picks there for me, I think. Yeah. Um, so let's get into this uh, this main topic, Jonas. Yes. Um, I thought for, for us, we would go with... Um, the wrestlers that have, have had a 365-day-plus reigns as champions. So they've been able to, to go a calendar year uh, as world champion. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if uh, if we have similar picks or if we've, if we've gone way off kilter and, um, <laughs> and, and took different uh, viewpoints. But yeah, who is the, the first person or the first team of wrestlers uh that um, is on your Matt Rushmore of year-long champions. Right. Well, um, I've tried to go with uh, champions that have meant something to me during my fandom. So, you know, you've got wrestlers that you could look back at that had really lengthy reigns in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, but I've tried to stick more within the 20, 30 years of my wrestling fandom. And one that really kind of... uh, 
reignited a lot of people's passion for pro wrestling um, and kind of really made it cool to watch WWE again was a certain CM Punk. And we all remember that legendary pipe bomb promo that he cut in 2011, just before the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, uh, where he won the world title against John Cena. But I'm focusing on his second reign. Now, he had two reigns. His second reign started um, at Survivor Series 2011 when he beat Alberto Del Rio. Um, and his second reign lasted for 434 days, or at least that's what I've got down here. Um, and he, 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 it, it was kind of the, the, the summer of punk, um, or certainly the year of punk, 2011, 2012. Um, and uh, he had that championship all the way through to the Royal Rumble 2013 when of course he had that match against The Rock, uh, another fine match by the way, but um, in that time CM Punk had defended his championship against the likes of uh, Chris Jericho, John Cena, and then eventually losing out to to The Rock um, at the Royal Rumble, of course. But uh, 434 days, I think, was a hell of a rank in the modern era, especially when, if you think over the last 20, 30 years, you know, every single title bout, including the WWF or WWE Championship, has kind of been like a hot potato and gone from one person to the other, you know, uh, week-long reigns, maybe a couple of months at the best. But uh, over a year, 434 days, I think is a really, really respectable run. And like I say, I think CM Punk made it cool to be a wrestling fan again around, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, um, through to when he left the company in 2014. And um, yeah, uh, I, like I say, cut some amazing promos, had some fans. Um, but CM Punk will be number one on my Mount Rushmore for, um, uh, for, for uh, longevity in terms of being a champion. It's, a, it's a, a very solid picker. My issues with CM Punk are, are renowned that he blocked me for absolutely no reason. I've never, <laughs> ever mentioned him. What on did the you timeline. say, Bags? What did you I say? <laughs> I, I probably have actually said something, but um, but there's no denying that uh, it's a, an outstanding uh, run, and especially in, in an era when you had the, the talent that he was facing for him to be. Uh, to be at the top of that tree for for over a year is is quite phenomenal, um, and it actually links into one of my picks. It it, it wouldn't have actually been my first pick, but but seeing as uh, seeing as it, the storyline kind of continues, I'm going to go with uh, my first pick is AJ Styles. Yeah. Um, so in uh, the 2020s, as you mentioned, that that title was hot shotted around uh, pretty much uh, before and after Punk's uh, three 434 day reign, um, and then in the next four years. Uh, since Punk's uh, title uh, reign, there was 21 different champions, uh, yeah. and th th that was held between 12 separate wrestlers. Uh, the longest run in that period was 224 days, which was by Brock Lesnar, and only six of those uh, of those 21 runs actually lasted longer than 100 days. And 11 of them actually lasted less than 50 days. So there was absolutely no consistency uh, in terms of uh, a champion. It was pretty much like you said, hot potato. It was the perfect way to explain it. So when AJ Styles beat Jinder Mahal on SmackDown in uh, Manchester, uh, it was it was very hard to expect a long reign from, from, um, from AJ. Um, but with that win, he was actually the second person to ever win the WWE title on SmackDown. And uh, it was the first one to win it outside of America and Canada. So he started off on a good footing with a record-breaking win. Uh, it was uh, the, the reason why he actually won the title was because they were planning for a champion versus champion match against Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series, uh, which he ultimately lost, but uh, really kind of... Uh, was elevated by that that match. Uh, he retained against uh, Jinder Mahal in uh, Clash of Champions uh, at the Royal Rumble. He beat Sami and uh, Kevin Owens in a triple threat. And then after that, we, we saw Shinsuke win the Royal Rumble, which meant he would challenge AJ at WrestleMania in, in hopefully what would have been a repeat of their amazing Wrestle Kingdom 10 match. He didn't match. quite live up to it, did it? <laughs> he quite, certainly but, didn't. Uh... It, it definitely was a fart in church. Uh, yeah. But well, I, I was in that church, and it—it uh, <laughs> it, it, it was—it was—it was a great match. But like I say, we was—we was 
all hyped for this big five-star yeah. extravaganza and i just don't think they uh, i don't think they felt like they had the freedom to do what they did in new japan a couple of years before but uh, uh sorry for interrupting you there max no it's absolutely fine and and you're right i think uh the the opportunity was there to to do something absolutely phenomenal and over the next uh three or four events they they just it just got watered down to the point that yeah. this dream match that, that many WWE fans were were wanting was was became boring and became stale very quickly we saw the the double count out the greatest royal rumble uh we had a no disqualification match at backlash and then at money in the bank uh when the feud finally ended it was a last minute standing and yeah. then aj beat rusev at extreme rules uh becoming then the the longest reigning uh we champion in smackdown history which would be i think it was jbl's 280 day record and then we got the infamous AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe feud uh, over a couple of shows. Uh, we got the Wendy promo where he uh, he promised he would be the new daddy, uh, yes. which which <laughs> looking back was fun, but at the time was so so cringeworthy. And then we got that controversial end of Hell in a Cell where AJ Styles tapped out, but the referee didn't see it, and and uh, AJ won with the with the the roll up. Um, Samojo got a couple more bats at that Cherry Law at Super Showdown and Crown Jewel. Um, and then at, at Super Showdown, we actually saw Daniel Bryan become number one contender when he beat The Miz. And he was actually meant to challenge uh, AJ at Crown Jewel, but obviously there was a lot of controversy with the with the uh, the killing of uh, Jamal Khashoggi uh, and, and uh, a lot of issues with Saudi Arabia. So Daniel Bryan was one of the, the few wrestlers who, who stood up and, and refused to go to Saudi Arabia, which meant that uh, Samoa Joe filled in. But he did get his, uh, his title shot a couple of weeks later on SmackDown Live, um, and he was able to, to pick off the, the victory. Uh, ending the uh, the record breaking 371 day reign of uh, AJ Styles. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with AJ Styles for for my first pick. Good pick, really good pick. Uh, he he, I did consider putting AJ Styles into my top four, um, but. Um... Yeah, there were other names that kind of stood out as, as being more worthy. But uh, I'll go with my second pick, shall I, Mags? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so um, I'm going to go with uh, Asuka and her NXT Women's Championship reign of 523 days. Now, um, she was uh, undefeated in her entire NXT career. Um, she didn't even lose the championship. She had to uh, vacate it. I mean, she, she won it first off by beating Bailey at NXT TakeOver Dallas. Uh, and that was also the same show where we saw the debut of Shinsuke Nakamura against Sami Zayn in that uh, incredible match. And uh, like I say, that's where Asuka beat Bailey for the Women's Championship that same show. And uh, she vacated vacated it on an episode of NXT TV um, 523 days later on uh, the 24th of August 2017. Now, she was injured at the time, which was one of the reasons why she had to vacate, uh, but she was on the verge of being called up to the main roster anyway, and she, uh, I think she showed up on uh, the following week's episode of Raw. Uh, but uh, she was a, a badass killer in NXT. Um, she, she's been presented as a bit of a badass on the main roster, but not quite to the degree that she was in NXT, where she was pretty much killing and murdering everybody on the roster. And uh, she, she, she was portrayed as, as this badass uh, Japanese uh, warrior and um, yeah I mean you, you, you was convinced that uh, she was um, pretty much uh, uh, you know uh, unwinnable undefeatable uh, on the women's roster uh, but she, she you know she defended her championship against the likes of uh, let's have a look here Ember Moon Mickey James Nia Jax I think she probably had other matches against um, oh crikey uh, who is uh, Alexa Bliss's tag team partner um, Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross. I know that they had a couple of amazing matches on NXT yeah. uh, while Asuka was the, the champion. Um, and uh, yeah, I think she she's definitely worthy. I mean, I, I've got a, an ultimate list here of about 12, but she was easily on my Mount Rushmore top four mags because I felt that her run in NXT as women's champion over 500 days and uh, undefeated, she didn't even.
even get pinned for the championship when she had to relinquish it um, before uh, going up to the main roster. I think that that is um, a pretty phenomenal record uh, in anybody's books. Yeah, it's a, it's an absolutely outstanding pick. And uh, a lot of the times with uh, these kind of long title runs, it can kind of make the opponents of the, the wrestler look weak. But I don't think that, that Asuka did that. She always kind of had that that uh, ability to elevate who she, she was going did. up against. Um, and it's, a, a, it's a more of an outstanding pick just because of how good she's been in this uh, in this COVID era. She's been one of the, the absolute bright stars. We've really got to see her character work um, and, and the fact that she's... Uh, champion on 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 raw it's yeah it's a it's a great pick and uh one i've actually neglected to even consider so shame on me um but i'll go into my second pick yes and and this is this is probably the weakest one uh on my on my mount rushmore in terms of a of of wrestling kind of fandom, but but these are some of my favourites, and it's my list, so uh, people will have to deal with it. Um, <laughs> I've gone with uh, the Good Brothers. Now, um, after uh, the former Festus and uh, Imposter Kane star Doc Gallows he, uh, joined New Japan, he uh, was instantly aligned in in the Bullet Club faction, uh, and uh, the the world knows how much of a fan of Bullet Club that that I am. Um, and he formed a tag team with a Bullet Club founder member, uh, Machine Gun Carl Anderson. Yes, indeed. Um, these two entered the 2013 World Tag League, uh, and uh, and. Uh, a re- uh, basically announced that they were called the Good Brothers and they went winning their block with uh, four wins and two losses uh, with wins over the likes of Great Bash Heel, Tenkoze and uh, Okada and Yoshihashi. Um, this meant that they would go ahead and challenge the, the current IWGP champions who were at that time Killer Elite Squad, uh, Lance Archer and David Boy Smith Jr. So fast forward to Wrestle Kingdom 8, uh, and the Good Brothers were able to uh, beat their Suzuki Goon opponents uh, to win their first uh, reign as uh, IWGP Tag Team Champions and, and start their year-long uh, reign at the top of the division. They defended the title against uh, Killer Elite Squad at New Beginning, uh, Hiroki Goto and uh, Katsuri uh, Shibata at Invasion Attack, and then Hiroki Goto and Captain New Japan uh, at a special show in uh, Taiwan uh, when uh, Captain New Japan uh, took the moniker Captain Taiwan for that show. Uh, they then also would would uh, be one of the stars of uh, the the New Japan and Ring of Honor Super Show War of the Worlds when they beat uh, the Briscoes uh, to defend their title. Uh, they would then defend at Dominion uh, against Tanahashi and Tog- Togi Makabe, and then they would then uh, again beat Okada and Yoshihashi at Destruction. Um, in entering the 2014 World Tag League. They won their block again, uh, this time winning five matches and only losing the one match to uh, to Tenkoze. And they ended up facing uh, Goto and Shibata again in, in, in the finals. But this time at Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 9, they ended up losing the match. Um, and at exactly 365 days, uh, the first reign of the, of the Good Brothers as IWGP Tag Team Champions came to an end. Um... They would eventually win the titles back and uh, would have two more runs with the title, uh, but wasn't able to kind of reach the the year mark again. I think the longest reign they had after that was about 180 days. But yeah, for my second pick, I'm going to go with uh, with Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, the good brothers. Brilliant pick, a brilliant pick. And I mean, uh, you know, uh, coming to more modern times, they're doing uh, some great stuff back in North America and uh, the Impact World Tag Team Champions, of course, Mags. Have you caught much of their run over in Impact? I've caught a little bit. Uh, I think I'm more excited now with the the whole... um, Impact and AEW um, partnership, and to see some of those potential uh, dream tag team matches happen in in AEW with the likes of uh, the Lucha Brothers and and uh, the Good Brothers fighting, or even the Bucks and the the Good Brothers, something like that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, exciting times to be a an AEW and an Impact fan. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they, they they did have a decent run in WWE, but I don't think they really 
was able to show their full potential in WWE, and they certainly weren't able to show their full potential as, as characters um, or as in-ring uh, athletes, in-ring performers. Um, so it was a real, a real shame. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, like I say, I, I think that their WWE run can easily be cast in the history books and i'm sure they've got a brighter career ahead of them like i say with, with certainly an impact and uh, mm-hmm. with whatever amalgamation they've got going with AEW. but my third pick then mags um i don't know whether th- th- this person will feature on your list but uh when i was going through the, the longest reigning champions of all time this one jumped out um like a, a, a flashing beacon to me but uh, it's a certain rob van dam and his 700 day reign as ECW television champion uh, from April the 4th, 1998, when he beat Bam Bam Bigelow, all the way through to March the 4th, 2000, when he had to relinquish the title due to injury. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I was uh, a big Rob Van Dam fan from around about 94, 95, when he first started coming into the scene. Uh, certainly when he started becoming a, a big popular star in ECW and tagging with Sabu and having great matches against Sabu as well and uh, uh, amazing matches against the likes of Chris Benoit and certainly when ECW would would bring in uh, the cruiserweights and the, the ECW were kind of revolutionary in so many areas, you know, bringing in the luchadors to a North American audience, bringing in uh, Japanese contingent to a North American audience and cruiserweights to, uh, you know, and Japanese and cruiserweight champion wrestlers to a North American audience. But uh, uh, Rob Van Dam really made his name as an ECW original and an ECW uh, superstar. And this 700 day reign as their television champion, uh, he, he, he held the title with such pride and, and prestige that it, it kind of to a certain degree felt more important at times than the ecw world title itself because of how long he held it and because the, the television champion or television title was fought by um some of its best talent that it had on the roster so you were guaranteed amazing matches um for the television title and uh, it was kind of like uh, the Intercontinental Champion, uh, you know, for, for WWF fans was always classed as the workhorse championship uh, within that promotion. The, the television title was, was held in much uh, similar regard in ECW and uh, Rob Van Dam's 700 day reign. I mean, he, he, he had some amazing matches as well in that uh, over two year reign as well against the likes of Jerry Lynn, uh, Spike Dudley, Balls Mahoney, Lance Storm, uh, Two Cold Scorpio, Rhino. Um, he had some amazing matches, and I think he had um, several match of the year contender matches against many of those opponents, in particular Jerry Lynn. Um, and I think that they had a couple of great pay per view matches as well for over the the TV title. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I think that that was also where Rob Van Dam kind of. Uh, came into many wrestling fans' hearts as being uh, not only an amazing performer, but a, a great character, an amazing athlete. Um, and I think that also kind of gave him the opportunity to catch the eye of the big league, certainly WWF. And he went on to be, uh, you know, a big, big, big star in WWE, of course. And uh, But uh, yes, uh, Rob Van Dam's 700-day ECW television championship reign um, definitely stands out to me as being a, a massive original ECW fan and that was certainly a, a title reign that I'll always remember Yeah, it's a, an, another outstanding picker, his matches with with uh, Jerry Lynn were yeah. jaw-droppingly good absolutely just the kind of matches that you just sit there and you are just slacked on of how how technically perfect these two guys were together. Such chemistry. Um, it's a, an outstanding pick. And, and I think you you hit the nail on the head with how he elevated that title to to being way more than than it ever had any right to, to be. It's a it's a great pick and um yeah it, it it's one that definitely deserves to be on your Mount Rushmore. I, I totally agree with that. And I'm gonna go with my third picker and it's another seven hundred plus day uh, Rain, um, going to revisit New Japan, um, and I'm going to go with Kazuchika Okada. Ah. So at at time of recording, he's had five 
uh, IWGP title reigns, and he tends to be uh, kind of a long-term champion. Um, uh, New Japan put the belt on on a card, and he, it usually stays on him for quite a while. Uh, after his first reign ended after 125 days, no reign since then has been less than 274, uh, and he's actually had two year-long runs with, with the title. But I'm actually going with his fourth reign, which is... Uh, the, the the record breaker 720 days and that's actually 240 wow. days more than the second longest which was Hashimoto uh, at 489 so after losing the, the title uh, to Tetsuya Nato at Invasion Attack in 2016 he, uh, he regained the belt at Dominion of that year uh, and this is when he started this record smashing reign. He uh, finished second in his group at the 26 uh, G1 Climax, uh, and he was able to uh, defend that title against uh, pro wrestling Noah star Namiche Marifuji in what was a, a Japanese kind of a dream match at King of Pro Wrestling. At Wrestle Kingdom 11, he faced uh, the G1 winner Kenny Omega, uh, the first uh, in the four matches that uh, absolutely destroyed the uh, the Dave Meltzer rating scale. Uh, he would win that match and successfully defend then against Suzuka at New Beginning, against uh, Shibata, who had won the 2017 New Japan Cup, uh, and uh, Bad Luck Farley at Wrestling Dontaku. Uh, and then he re-challenged Omega uh, at Dominion. Uh, this was the 60-minute the time limit draw match which meant that uh, Okada's reign continued. Then we got the, the G1 special in the USA uh, event where he beat Corda. Um And then in the 27 G1 climax, uh, his loss to Kenny Omega meant that he didn't make the finals that, that year. Um, going back to his title defences, he beat Evil, uh, who was the, the only other person outside Omega to beat him in that G1 uh, climax. And then with that win that meant that uh, Okada beat Hashimoto's record uh, of 489 days. Uh, and then the day before he defended the title at Wrestle Kingdom 12, he also broke another record, which was Hiroshi Tanahashi's combined total of 1,358 days as champion. So at that Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 12, he beat uh, the G1 Climax winner Tetsuya Nato, uh, then at New Beginning, he beat uh, Nato's uh, stablemate, Sonada. And then he beat New Japan uh, Cup winner, Zack Sabre Jr. at Sakura Genesis. Uh, this meant he tied another Tanahashi record of 11 defences in a single reign. Uh, Tanahashi then challenged uh, Okada at Dontaku uh, to try and defend that record. Uh, unfortunately for, for Tanahashi, Okada was able to to overcome him and he then broke uh, uh, Tanahashi's uh, defensive record. Uh, then after that match, he challenged Okada again, uh, saying that he was frustrated with uh, his record against the against the cleaner uh, with one win, one loss, and one draw. And he wanted to to put a line over this uh, over this feud. Uh, so at Dominion in in Osaka, Okada faced Kenny in a two out of three falls match uh, with no time limit, so we didn't get the, uh, the 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 option of not having a definitive winner. And after 65 minutes of absolute clinical wrestling, uh, Kenny was able to uh, beat the record breaking Okada two falls to one and ended the 720-day reign of Kazuchi Okada and really cemented his status as the best bank machine. So, yeah, my third pick, I'm going to go with 720 days of Kazuchi Okada. Wow, uh, that, that's amazing and uh, definitely deserves to be on uh, uh, your Mount Rushmore there. Um, and I think Kazuchika Okada uh, probably featured on my uh, original Mount Rushmore of uh, greatest wrestlers of all time, I think, when I first appeared back in February. But, um, yeah, hell of a hell of a choice there as your number three. Um, but I think we're on to my number four now, aren't we, Mag? So uh, my, my fourth and final pick... For my uh, for my uh, Mount Rushmore, and um, 
I've probably gone fairly route one with this, to be honest with you. Uh, but I've gone with uh, a UK wrestling talent. And uh, this person's reign lasted for 685 days. And of course, I'm on about uh, the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne. Um, and he was the uh, originally it was it was the WWE United Kingdom Championship got changed to the NXT United Kingdom Championship, but uh, he beat uh, Tyler Bates at Takeover Chicago back in uh, May 2017 in what many people called was their 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 match of the year. It was certainly my match of the year, and uh, that was like a, a 20 minute battle that had everybody in that arena on their feet uh, chanting NXT and UK, and uh, that was a real star making performance from both individuals but certainly Pete Dunne and he went on to defend the championship over the next uh, nearly two years 685 days uh, eventually losing it um, over Wrestlemania weekend 2019 at TakeOver New York on the 5th of April against Walter who uh, is still the uh, NXT UK champion as we speak we spoke about one of his great matches earlier against Ilya Dragunov of course but Pete Dunne I think this not only kind of um, gave him an opportunity to shine on a bigger stage, but it gave him an opportunity to be seen by a, a, a worldwide audience and to uh, really kind of uh, shine a massive spotlight thanks to his presence and his fantastic reign on the fantastic work that uh, the British wrestling industry had done, not just during his reign, but in the few years before that and, and how big Britress got because of individuals like... Tyler Bates, Trent Seven, Pete Dunne, Zach Gibson, Jimmy Havoc, and all them great individuals that worked so hard from uh, the mid 2010s uh, through to uh, the late 2010s uh, through to now, you could say, to really put British wrestling on the map. And I think Pete Dunne, to a certain degree, was like the, the figurehead of uh, that uh, movement, and certainly when he was the UK champion. Um, and I think his, his kind of champion sh championship reign added to a quite phenomenal legacy, to be honest with you. Every single match that he had as champion was pretty phenomenal. He defended it against the likes of, uh, I think he had a rematch against Tyler Bates, but he also defended it against Roderick Strong. He defended it against Zach Gibson. He defended it against Danny Birch. And then, of course, uh, I'm sure there was many more uh, on that list uh, of, of people that he defended the championship against. But, uh, of course, he had that a phenomenal match against Walter at uh, TakeOver New York uh, last April, where he eventually lost the championship. Uh, and then he went on after that to become a big star on the black and gold brand over in Florida, NXT, of course. Um, but he's uh, featured on uh, quite a few uh, uh, main roster pay-per-views as well, most notably his match against uh, Adam Cole for the NXT Championship at last year's Survivor Series. Um, but uh, I think it helped to uh, kind of... Uh, boost Pete Dunne into not just the, the 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 universe but the stratosphere. I think it really kind of shot um, his uh, his star uh, far and wide. And uh, I think uh, uh, not not only is he a big name in the UK and Europe, but I think that title run also helped him to become a big name worldwide. Um, and uh, of course, uh, we saw him recently at War Games in that fantastic match um, against the Undisputed Era as part of Pat McAfee's team, and that was a tremendous match where uh, Pete Dunne. Um, you know, had another brilliant outing. Uh, but yeah, Pete Dunne is my fourth and final pick for his 685 day reign as the NXT UK champion. And another outstanding pick. And I think w when you have a title that is in its infancy, like the NXT UK title was, it's very important you have the right champions to give it that kind of gravitas mm -hmm. and that kind of legacy. Uh, going with Tyler Bay, obviously, the, the the beginning, that was the kind of the emotional pick. Everybody absolutely loved the fact that, that Tyler was champion and uh, being one of the youngest uh, people to ever be a champion in, in under the WWE umbrella. But yeah. I think Pete, uh, the quality of his wrestling, the quality of his opponents are... Uh, he really elevated that that um, that UK title to mean something way more than a title of of its age should have meant, and it. I think he and the the title um, was was so linked together that they both raised each other, and he really made uh, he really made that title mean something. And and when the loss came to Walter, 
it was a very much a passing of the torch and, yes. and Pete Dunne went on to to the the black and gold brand and I still believe he's uh, he's very much been earmarked for a future uh, main roster title uh, title run because I think he's he's that good uh, of a wrestler he's so so talented and still so so young oh, which is scary be, what, maybe 24 possibly 25 at a pinch but i mean that that's no age uh for for a pro wrestler he's still got another 15 years ahead of him if he really wanted it yeah so it's a a, a great pick and a great way to to uh round off your mount rushmore um i've gone uh at the at the total over end of the spectrum i've gone way back in time for my last pick uh, I've gone for the macho man Randy Savage. Ah. So he, he was on my list, not quite in the top four though. But uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> well, uh, I think this is more speaking to my uh, my uh, fandom of watching wrestling with my gran and and things like that. It kind of like stuck in my memory. Uh, but at WrestleMania three, we uh, we saw the the match against uh, Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage, which. Uh, Still today is, is looked at as a, a clinic and arguably one of the greatest matches of all time. Uh, and while Steamboat actually walked out of that match as the winner, uh, ending a, a, a year-plus reign uh, from Randy Savage as Intercontinental Champion, um, in, in just over a year, uh, Savage would end up being pushed into the main title scene. He would win the King of the Ring later on in uh, 1987 uh, and was actually becoming so popular that he was being cheered uh, during during his matches despite him being being a heel. So the WWF and Savage started to kind of lean into this and we, we got that natural kind of turn to a baby face. Uh, and then in the run-up to the end of the year, uh, Savage unsuccessfully tried to uh, regain his RC title, which was now in the hands of uh, the Honky Tonk Man, someone else who could have uh, potentially been considered for, for this list. Yep. Um, and even though he was unsuccessful in, in that pursuit of the title, it was quite clear that uh, big things were coming with uh, with uh, for, for Macho. Uh, when uh, Elizabeth started to recruit Hogan to uh, to uh, team up with Savage against uh, the stable of Jimmy Hart, um, and we got the the forming of the Mega Powers. So then we we go to uh, the lead up to WrestleMania four, and we get a little bit of controversy when Andre the Giant won the WWF title, but then subsequently struck a deal to hand the title over to Ted DiBiase, uh, and we got. Uh, President Jack Tunney vetoing that, announcing that the the WF title would now be vacant, and that WrestleMania Four would uh, would have a tournament to crown a new WF champion. So Savage was a, a participant in this tournament, and he beat Butch Reed in the first round. He beat Greg Valentine in the second round. Uh, one man gang in the in the semifinals, and then he had Ted DiBiase in the final. And after a 10-minute a, a match, uh, which saw Hogan come out to neutralise the threat of Andre the Giant, and we also saw Hogan showing a little bit of those heelish tendencies when he uh, he hit Ted DiBiase with a chair shot, we we saw Savage win his first WWF title. Uh, obviously, that was marred a little bit with the fact that Hogan must pause and he was uh, involved in the celebration. But Savage would defend that title against the likes of One Man Gang, Andre the Giant and Boss Man. But the actual focal point of this of this time was, was not so much Savage's reign as champion, but more the fracturing relationship between him, uh, Elizabeth and, and Hulk Hogan. So the Mega Powers would face the Mega Bucks, who were DiBiase and Andre at SummerSlam, and then they would go on to feud with the Twin Towers of the Boss Man and Akeem, the African Dream. Uh, and then they also had a, um, a Survivor Series match, which uh, which the, the Mega Powers team uh, would win. And it was really kind of, looking back now, it's really kind of um, insidious that that Hogan was still heavily involved with Savage uh, during Savage's time as world champion. Uh, back back at, as watching it as a kid, it was it was heaven because they were two of my favourite wrestlers. But looking back now, you could you could see the political uh, strength of of Hogan for him to still be involved in this in this picture. So then we go into early 1989, and and the cracks between the two were really starting to show. Uh, Elizabeth confirmed that she was Hogan's official manager, uh, and then we got Hogan accidentally uh, eliminating Savage from the Royal Rumble. 
which led to a scuffle between the two uh, that was only ended when uh, Elizabeth separated them. Uh, then in another match against the Twin Towers, uh, we see Elizabeth get injured and Hogan carries her off to the back, leaving Savage to fend for himself. So when Hogan returns to the match, Savage uh, abandoned him and left him for the rest of the match. Uh, Hogan went on to win, obviously, because it, Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this led to a, a huge argument that uh, that uh, ended when Savage attacked Hogan and, and Brutus Beefcake and uh, led to the Mega Powers exploding, uh, which uh, culminated in the match at WrestleMania 5, uh, where after 20 minutes and arguably uh, Randy Savage getting Hogan's best match ever out of him, uh, we saw... Um, Hogan lift that WWF title. Uh, Savage's reign lasted for 371 days, and uh, this feud would eventually carry on uh, because we got the introduction of Zeus uh, from the movie uh, No Holds Barred, uh, and and Savage's kind of a run to uh, to end Hulkamania. But yeah, uh, for my last pick, I've gone with Macho Mandy, Randy Savage and his 371-day run as WWF champion. Really, really impressive there. And, and like I say, I, I had Randy Savage in my list, but it wasn't for his WWF championship run. It was for his intercontinental mm-hmm. title reign, which was 414 days. You mentioned he lost it uh, to Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3, um, but he won it um, 414 days prior to that against Tito Santana. So it was his intercontinental championship reign that was a long one also, Max. So I think Macho Man... You know, he certainly had a, an amazing career in WWF and some long title reigns as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so a, 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 a fantastic final pick for yourself there. Thank you very much. And uh, I think between us, we've got two really good and really different Mount Rushmore's. Uh, yours with uh, CM Punk, Asuka, RVD and Pete Dunham Man with yep. AJ Styles. Uh, the Good Brothers. Uh, that is, that is pretty much one of these uh, is not quite like the others with the Good Brothers. <laughs> uh, Kazuchika Okada and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, what I need from you uh, now, John, is uh, I'd need a topic for a, a future guest. What kind of Mount Rushmore would you like to uh, to hear about, or what kind of Mount Rushmore would you like to be debated? Oh wow! Um, let's have a quick think. Um, Mount Rushmore's, uh, uh, what, what, what sort of topics have you done in the past then, Mags, just while I'm kind of thinking Oof. about uh, a new mm. one? Because you must yeah. have covered a lot of different topics over, you've been doing this for more than a year now, haven't you? We've got, uh, about 120 episodes, I think. Wow. Yeah, um... We've 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 run the gamut from um, <laughs> from the head the, the Mount Rushmore of hairdos the Mount Rushmore of uh, crazy merchandise uh, the Mount Rushmore of WrestleMania matches um, we've covered a, a lot of topics so the more kind of uh, out there and wacky topics that people can come up with I think I've got one I think I've got one and now uh, correct me if you if you've already done this one but tell about a Mount Rushmore of uh, outlandish gimmicks, uh, kind of wonderful characters like, I don't know, Doink the Clown and Bastion Booger and Giant Gonzalez and uh, the, the Ding Dongs. Uh, so uh, how about a Mount Rushmore of, uh, of wacky characters, wacky that, gimmicks? I love revisiting <laughs> uh, gimmick, uh, gimmick Mount Rushmore's. It, it's one of the, the most interesting uh, ones that... Uh, that we, we get to review. We recently did an episode with Warren Hayes uh, covering wrestlers who've, who've had success with more than one gimmick. So, yeah, that's a that's a brilliant uh, a brilliant uh, pick, Jonathan, and one I'll certainly look forward to, to researching. Um, thank you for doing this, Jonathan. I really do appreciate your time. I know you are incredibly busy in the world of content creation. Um, Please let the Badlands listeners know where they can uh, they can get more genres, where they can find your content, and where they can uh, they can follow you on 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 social media. 
Right. Well, well, firstly, I just want to thank you so much for inviting me back for a second time. I wonder, has anybody been been invited back for a third time, Mags? I'm hoping oh. to be that person if they haven't already. Uh, but uh, we shall see. We shall see. But uh, uh, you can find me. I'm, I'm pretty much all over social media. Uh, firstly, on Facebook, you can uh, search out the, the Wrestling with Jonas Facebook community page. Just search Wrestling with Jonas. That's Jonas spelled J-O-H-N-E-R-S. Uh, I'm on Twitter um, at uh, uh, with... Uh, underscore Jonna's pod. I think that's it anyway. Um, it's, I don't go on Twitter as much as I possibly should. Um, Instagram, you can find us at Wrestling with Jonna's. Uh, or if you want a one stop shop, just go to the website wrestlingwithjonna's.com and you've got links there to all of our social pages um, and hopefully the correct Twitter link as well uh, to all of our merch pages. Uh, you've got um, uh, you've got uh, links there and quick players for all of our podcast episodes and video casts. Um, you've got uh, articles and uh, news items up there. Um, but uh, yes, uh, you've also got links to the Turnbuckle Arms podcast as well on that website. So that's wrestlingwithjohners.com. Uh, it's like a one-stop shop where you find us all there in one tidy place. Yeah, it will be uh, an absolute honour to have you back on the show. Uh, you are more than welcome anytime. It's uh, always great fun to have John on. And hopefully Only if you we... want me. Only if you want me. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and hopefully uh, we'll be able to get you and Paul on the same show finally so you can... Yeah. You can... Uh, you can experience uh, Paul's shot when I beat or one of his uh, one of his picks. Um, but yeah, listeners, definitely go and uh, check out John's content. He's absolutely outstanding. I, I get a lot of praise for for being called the Podfather and 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 being uh, putting out so much content. But this guy puts my content uh, well in its place. He's an absolute trailblazer for for, for for us in this community. Uh, but yeah. Um, Thank you all uh, for listening. If you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby, follow Paul when he's around at Reencounter, follow this show at Badlands Pod. Uh, who had the best Mount Rushmore? Was it was it Jonas or or was it me? Um, and what would be on your Mount Rushmore of uh, of uh, the greatest three hundred and sixty five day plus reigns as 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 champion? Uh, let us know on 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 social media. But remember, when you are making your picks, that there is only one rule, and that is that you must always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.